Good morning. Today I have TG Campbell with me. Hi, yeah, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, I'm TG Campbell. I write crime fiction books set in Victorian London. They're about a group of fictional detectives called the Bow Street Society. And basically I've got five of those books in the main series out, starting the case of the Curious Client and five short story collections. And I also work as a receptionist part-time. Did you always know that you wanted to write? Yeah, ever since um, I was younger, I wanted to write, but it all started because when I was a lot younger than that, I wanted to join the police force. So I loved the bill and sort of all those sort of police dramas and TV. My mother basically raised us on those sort of TV shows. Um, but unfortunately, um, I've got an eye condition, which means I can't actually join the police. So I said, well, rather than if I can't actually join the police, I might as well write about them. So I, um, when I was in uh, secondary school, I started writing like a screenplay. So it's a bit like the bill meets Midsummer Murders. And that was sort of about um, <laughs> sort of a police CID unit. And then after that, um, it was my friend's 60th birthday coming up. So I thought, I wonder if I could write a mystery story. So I used sort of like the classic blueprints or framework to write a mystery story for my friend's 60th birthday. And that's basically where it all started. And what made you um, decide to actually go for it properly and write a book that you were going to publish? Um, I'd sort of, sort of dabbled in other genres before that. But I think it was really when um, the KDP, like Amazon sort of platform came along. Um, I sort of tried to get um, sort of an agent or publisher through with my other books. But when this pamphlet came along, I thought, well, it'd be good to actually write some specifically in the knowledge that it would be published through that. Um, and I was, I've was, always loved crime fiction, always loved Ab Christie. Um, but I thought, what about doing something a bit, a bit different? Um, that's how I came up with sort of the Bosch Society. So rather than having like, one detective, you have multiple detectives, but you don't always have the same group of detectives. So depending on what case they get asked to investigate, depends on who gets called in, because all the members have got skills and knowledge that have derived from their normal occupation. Um, so that would sort of give you a bit more of an element of surprise. So when you start reading the books, you really don't know who's going to be called in. So, so I thought, well, if I sort of go along those lines, I thought well, Victorian London, I've always liked history, sort of be fascinated by the history of the police, Metropolitan Police and the formation so again, I thought, well, that's a good period to sort of start with. And it all just sort of came sort of snowballed from there, really. But it was good. It was different sort of knowing that while I was writing it, that it would be published. Then if so, sort of writing it and talking, going, you know, I have to send it off and do querying and everything. But so that was really where it started in terms of actually wanting to publish the books. Would you have to do a lot of research before you started about Victoria London? Um, or did you already have quite a lot of knowledge if you were interested anyway? I had some knowledge, um, <laughs> but I had, um, what I'd done was, um, I had sort of key sort of main areas which needed to research sort of like technology, like telephones, um, sort of the police themselves, because even though the site is not actually a police like, unit, I needed to know how the police itself was set up, so how they could interact with them. I also did a lot of research, went down to the Metropolitan Police um, historic collection that was down by the bus station at that point, that joined their books. Um, also what I'd done as well was because I already knew what characters and what occupations I needed I then did research based upon those occupations so for the cabman I researched sort of cab stands and cab shelters and also because he's sort of going to be more sort of transport and sort of like routes sort of person so um, maps um, tr um, trams omnibuses um, the nature of omnibus cads and that sort of thing and then also so it was doing it that way made it a lot more manageable to research um, if I did it per, per, per profession so and also when it came to sort of like um, like the magician who's in um, the group 
I went down to the Magic Circle and had a tour around there, which was quite interesting. We were there, we were there a bit early and we knocked on the door and the actor was like, hello. And we're like, we're here for the tour. He's like, he's not here at the moment. Shut the door. I'm like, okay, we'll come back. <laughs> and then we came back like half an hour later and the door, the signs were on the door then and the actor was like, oh, hello. Yes, I'm expecting you. I was like, it's worth it to Obviously, you know, they've got the inner sanctum, which you weren't allowed into. But um, it's really fascinating because they've got a mural up along the um, spiral staircase of different history of magic. And they've got things in there like from Houdini and sort of the more Victorian sort of magicians as well as um, like um, uh, David Blaine, David Blaine? Yeah, his, all his stuff's in there as well. And they've also got a, a, a sort of their own theater in there. And so once I'd had the tour, they then let me go into their, their library we've got in the basement, which has got every single book ever written about magic. So I was able to do a bit of research about my magician's contemporaries and I was tapping into their knowledge. Um, and then also I went to the old operating theatre in Herb Garrett in London to sort of do research into surgeons and med medicine. So it's quite, it's, it's a research never ends anyway, but in just, in all just the initial sort of story, it was quite a lot of research to get done in the first instance, yeah. Wow, that sounds like so much fun. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it's, you get to go to some really interesting, interesting places. So, yeah, and sort of get to talk to quite a lot of interesting people. I mean, um, recently the, there's a museum that opened in the old police station at Bow Street. So I was actually able to go and look in the cells and I've sort of, they've done a few like, interviews on my podcasts as well, which has been really good. Um, and I know the Metropolitan Police Historic Collection is moving at the moment, um, so the new region rooms, but they've got a massive collection of things so it's just I could honestly just go through these archives forever more really but it's just it's really fascinating yeah um, I studied forensics so um I had to do lips of obviously the creation of the police and how forensics came about and um for my dissertation I've done um entomology so yeah um Victorians were the ones that sort of really became interested in insects and started <laughs> um started studying them and um, keeping specimens and things so yeah I love yeah. it fascinating it was so cool yeah because was um a few years ago when the London Museum held a crime museum uncovered exhibition which was actually artifacts from the what they call the Black Museum and that was really interesting normally that museum um is not open to the public but obviously that was started in the Victorian era, because with the change in the law, which meant they had to keep certain artifacts for criminals' cases, they think. So that was really interesting to see that. But it is just, I think, what, the period that I'm on, because it's, it's set in 1896, it's sort of a lot of the science is emerging, but the question is always whether they can actually use it in court. So there's a lot of stuff that's actually emerged, been developed, and um, and sort of been studied. And sort of, sort of even sort of the poison, the poison side of things, detecting the poisons, is really interesting. Um, but yeah, it's course comes down whether they can use it in court. So it's that transitional period, just the end of the 19th century, to, uh, just going into the early 20th. And it's a lot of sort of things you recognise as modern is coming in as well, sort of the telephones, that sort of thing. So I do just, yeah, just I could spend hours researching stuff. But then you think, I need to write a book. So <laughs> <laughs> um, of the books you've written so far, if you were to take out one of your characters for a meal, who would you choose and what would you ask them? Mm, that's a good one. Um, I've got certain characters who are my favourite. Um, I'd probably, so there's Inspector Conway, um, who is part of the police, 
um, who's sort of quite central to sort of the main plot arc about the story of his, his life is being a police officer. So I would probably take him out for dinner and just talk to him about just day to day what it's like to be a police inspector back then and just really get sort of under the skin because I've, the psychology of being a police officer anyway is just, it just, just fascinates me. You've got definitely got to be a certain type of person to do that kind of work. Um, I used to work at the witness service um, with sort of citizens advice, so it's based in the courts. So we're a charity that helped witnesses and bits of crime going through the process of giving evidence to court. So we wouldn't know anything about the case himself, but we would deal with like the police, the crime prosecution service, other charities to support people. But even just from that sort of looking from the outside in, it's you can definitely see that you've definitely got to have that sort of in, sort of resilience, but also you've got to be honest, when when I was doing it, I had to sort of call witnesses and sort of talk to them about going to give evidence and they were quite sort of emotional conversations sometimes because even though they might not be the victim of the crime it might have you know brought back memories of what happened to them in the past so quite often you might have people in tears on the phone so it's just been able to sort of deal with that and so definitely got a whole lot of respect of the police officers so just that whole sort of psyche and sort of um, culture of the police is something that and how it's evolved um is really, i find really interesting I think especially back then because it still was relatively young as well and still trying to find its feet and everything I've got a book called um, Control Systems, Police Control Systems, and how sort of the police themselves were controlled from within. So that's really interesting. So yeah, that's your idea, Inspector John Conway of Scotland Yard. I would uh, definitely take out to and just interrogate him. <laughs> and if you were to be transported into any of your books as a character, which book would you choose? Probably... Probably the uh, toxic tonic because it's set in a hotel, so the whole police and the society are all just basically forced into this sort of situation where they've got to basically work together. So, but also just the grandeur of the hotel and just that atmosphere, I think I'll definitely want to stay there. I think, and also just to be able to sort of see close hand how they have that conflict and how they have to sort of put that aside and um, and sort of really get on with it really. So I think that'd be really interesting to see sort of close close quarters, yeah. Uh, which character's given you the most trouble? <laughs> well, um, in the first book, um, there's a character called Mr. Joseph Maxwell, who is, he starts out as an apprentice journalist with the guys like I say, and he was always just intended to be a bit of like humour, a bit clumsy. Um, he was just meant to be like a side character. When you have sort of like it's the main sort of group, and you have sort of people within that group, is always going to be in there. Um, and then I was writing one of the first scenes of him in it. And then he just happened to touch the hand of a, a female member, Miss Georgina Dexter, the artist. And um, I think, oh, right, okay, so you two are going to want to like now have a man, then are you? And basically, that whole, from that one bit, it's just it's evolved into a whole will they, won't they? And when it comes to do, because at the moment we're working on the audio book for the curious client, um, we've, I've done a script version of the book um, because I've got an actor doing all the male dialogue and a lady, a female doing the female dialogue. And we realised that actually Mr. Maxwell's got the most scenes. I'm like, how did that happen? <laughs> how did he manage to get, take over the book, basically? <laughs> so in that sense, you know, he's very much, um, it's become more of a main character, sort of pushed his way in there, basically. And even though, and he is one of my, one of my most popular characters. And then sort of the plot line with him that ran throughout the first four books then comes to head in the case of the Maxwell murder, which is the latest book that came out. But in terms of, yeah, he's definitely caused me the most trouble in the sense that I never originally planned for him to have this whole will they, won't they romance. And it's still, you know, sort of going on a bit, a bit now. So it's, 
yeah, to how they factored in. But I think, oh, okay, so you used to want to get together. Like, okay, we'll go, we'll go with this. We'll see how this goes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Even now, people are like, we love Mr. Maxwell. So, oh. so I don't want to slap him, but I still love him. <laughs> Um, I ask this a lot actually but as you write Victorian I wonder if your answer will be different um, mm -hmm. if you were to um, I mean you must have killed people in various interesting ways but if you were to kill someone how would you do it <laughs> oh what if, if in real life or <laughs> yeah well no hypothetically hypothetically obviously yes that's yes there is obviously certain poisons that um, could be mistaken for something else. But also there's a few poisons actually which I've discovered that can be from quite mundane things. So like potatoes potentially can be poisonous and things like the leaves of rhubarb and things can be poisonous and like even like obviously apple pips and stuff like that. So I'd probably try to sort of use a poison that would be a bit seemingly innocent and say, so, oh, it was an accident. I didn't realise that was poisonous. <laughs> So yeah, probably yeah, because you say was it poisons a woman's um, weapon anyway, don't they? But, yeah, yeah, yeah. We like to keep our distance and keep clean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the only thing about writing a poison about poisons when you do more research about poisons, you start to get a bit paranoid. I think you don't want to accidentally poison myself. Do you know what I mean? It's like you've been always different poisons around. You think, oh my god, I didn't realize there's that much like danger out there. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's yeah. Some stuff as well, you're just like, oh my God, how, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, you just think, yeah, what was it I was um, looking, what was I looking at recently? Um, that, yeah, oh, I, thought, I can't remember what, it was some, some poison, and it was like, but it was given as, like, um, as an antidote to, um, I can't remember, my mind's completely blank now, but they say if you accidentally poison at home, you can give them something. And it was, but it was for years and years and years. Like mothers were told to give your child this if they like. Oh, that was it. It, was, it induced vomiting. That was it. And it induced vomiting. And they were told like, you know, you'd give your child if you had a child accidentally poisoned at home, give them this like solution, and it would induce vomiting. And for like, yeah, like for decades and decades, doctors actually recommended parents to do this. But then obviously now they've now stopped that because if it's a corrosive poison and you get into vomit, you get burnt down and it burned back up again, and it's. It can also, if you can, you can actually give them too much of this stuff and actually do more harm than good. But I think it's fascinating. Like, oh yeah, good poisons will give you something else that's just as bad, you know. <laughs> My forensics teacher was funny. She used to tell us about stuff, and she's like, oh yeah, like this would be a really great way to kill someone because you know if you just gave a little bit too much, or you know if you if it touched the skin or something. But she'd never tell us how much. Oh, no, no, like, yeah. they don't encourage was, people. <laughs> no, and if there was a combination of something, she's like, you know, this and this mixed together. But yeah, she'd never tell us like the details. And we, we begged her, like, please, we're not going to do anything. She's like, nope. Yeah, it was really <laughs> fascinating. Like, reading them some case studies about the early detection of arsenic poisoning. And um, they took down a lot of research and they were quite confident oh, this, is, this is how we detect arsenic. And then they discovered that actually arsenic naturally is produced in the body. Because they then tested like dead bodies and they all had arsenic, like, but we know they haven't they didn't die of arsenic poisoning. And so they're like, wait a minute, we need to go back and look at what his court case we said, oh yeah, definitely was arsenic, you know. And they were saying also a lot of the stuff they were using to test it was also had arsenic in it as well. So it's it's like how reliable can you? But just yeah, it's it is fascinating, sort of 
some of these things, because obviously work, work like writing where I'm writing in, you sort of think, oh, that would be a good way to kill somebody. You've got to think, wait a minute, could they actually detect that back then? It might be a really great way to do it now, but actually can they actually then go back and sort of redo the research and say, oh, yeah, they can detect that. And then it will not have to, okay, back to the drawing board then. <laughs> um, if you were to be uh, fictionally killed, who would you want to solve your case? Uh, does it have to be my character or can it be somebody else? No, it or... can be anyone, absolutely anyone. <laughs> Um, gosh, that's a really difficult question um there's a um a series that i follow by anne bainbridge inspector abs and it's all set like a few decades before my books but it's really really good so i think and he's very sort of shrewd very quiet very sort of um very good sort of soul looking take a step back and look at everything and then solving it from that so i think yeah inspector abs definitely be scotland i'll definitely be somebody i'd, to, I'd like to investigate my murder i think he'd make quite a good job of it um, out of all the books that you've written so far, what's been one of the most fun scenes you've written and what's been one of the most difficult? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> um, probably the most fun scenes. Um, any sort of scene with Mr. Maxwell is always quite hilarious. Um, there's sort of one scene where he volunteers um, to go and talk to, it's really intimidating, like suspect, thinking that. Conway's around to back him up and then he's told oh no he's gone off somewhere he's like oh um okay then do you want to come with me no no you're fine you go off I'm like okay then I'll just um and then the state's like oh do you want to come with me he's like oh yes please yes 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 and she's like oh I'll be scared too he's like no I'm not scared no no <laughs> but <laughs> that's quite funny but um and sort of in terms of more difficult scenes I think even though he's my favourite character, I also find it really difficult to write for Conway because he doesn't give away, give a lot away, basically. You've got to sort of pull him, pull the stuff out of him, really. It's a bit like getting blood from a stone, really. Um, I try not to... There's certain things that I don't... I, would, I won't write about, so I don't include rape or anything to do with children. Um, I think sort of that comes from working in the witness service, having sort of seen... Not only first-hand, but sort of seen the after-effects of that sort of crime. So I, that would... I find that way too uncomfortable to even consider writing about that. But in terms of, yeah, sort of difficulties to write, it's, um, I mean, most scenes where they have like the meetings, they have a meeting, so they have all different characters all wanting to sort of give their own um, input to the case can be quite difficult to write because it makes sure you get everybody in, but at the same time, it's not too confusing for the reader. Um, and quite often as well, like I'll start that meeting and like, oh, maybe some research because they've got to do a bit of like spiel about oh this is my take of the you know the situation this is what I know about that kind of area so quite often I have to go away and sort of pause it and then go and do some more research because they need, just they could do the little speech so because <laughs> <laughs> what happens more often no matter how much research you do before you start writing a book you've always got to do go back and do some more really um, when you're editing what's your most obvious word or phrase um, I've told that I use a lot of formers and latters a lot and then <laughs> and nodding oh nodding nodding yes every nods or slight smile yeah <laughs> oh yeah the guy the guy yesterday or the guy the other day said about nodding he said if, if his characters nodded as much as he wrote then their heads would fall off or something yeah. <laughs> 
I also have my sister, she's because she beat me to me. She's very good at sort of picking up when I use overdue the colour. So it's very brown, a lot of brown or a lot of green. You know, you know, so, okay, but it's, it's certain, unfortunately, there's, yeah, it's limited to a certain degree of like, depending on what character it's like, what kind of colours they could wear anyway, but just like yeah, a lot of brown, change the brown. It's like, okay. <laughs> but yeah, definitely formers and latters is definitely the most one I'm most guilty of. So then you do find, find yourself sort of when you start using it, like, oh, wait a minute, step back, <laughs> change with something else. But you're definitely nodding and smiling. <laughs> um, something I have to ask you about is your book covers, because they're awesome. Um, oh, thank you. So is that, did you have in mind what you wanted? Because obviously they're quite similar. So, you know, they define your books, because I don't know anyone else who's got covers like them. Okay, well, when I knew I wanted, I knew I wanted something quite vintage looking, so what I did was I went into Waterstones and just looked at their sort of older like crime books, and they had this uh, sort of series called um, British Classic Crime, and they were sort of quite vintagey looking. Like they had different illustrations, and I sort of went online and sort of did the research of what kind of artist could do that kind of style for me. I already had the logo of the Waterstones logo, so I wanted something that just to go in the middle really, and that's how I found Peter Spells. He's based in Brighton. He's done a lot of um, sort of posters for London Underground in the style of that sort of art deco style um and yeah he's basically worked from the first book he's sort of created his own style for each illustration I wanted specifically to do it on a black background with a white my white title and my white name and the um, logo because I wanted to stand up when you're scrolling through thumbnails on the on the on Amazon that you would instantly recognize oh that's a both society book because I could see the black and then you can um, large and see the illustration um and also people quite like the fact that it's, it's, it's even it's got a quite complex illustration in the middle, it can, it's still quite simple. But people do think that it sort of keeps in, in keeping with the, the ear of the books. But yeah, it was quite conscious sort of effort on my part to sort of keep that sort of consistent branding because they are all part of the same series as well. Like the case books, and they're slightly different, they're all sort of similar like cover layout as well because again, it's all part of the same series. So when I do eventually, I want to do eventually do a spin-off um, sort of series of so each character would get their own like book basically so the, what they're doing beyond the society and again that would have its own like branding and colour scheme so but it's just really just to yeah it's actually to stand out really and just to have a consistent brand well it works oh, it you. does <laughs> um, if you're able to spend a day with any author dead or alive who would you like to spend a day with hmm. I've I think it's torn really because I'd want to sort of sort of spend the day with sort of Conan Doyle because obviously he's from that era and obviously you know um, got a lot. He knew a lot of famous people as well, so I just got quite a lot of stories to tell, which is quite interesting. Um, but also sort of in terms of sort of um, sort of constructing the mission, if you know, I would also like to talk to Agatha Christie because she obviously she that's where my love of sort of crime fiction came from because I was just always fascinated by his idea of the story itself being a puzzle and they have to solve it and it's such such a difficult thing to do um and it just really just fascinated me from you know when I start started to do crime fiction so I definitely would want to talk to her about how her process and how she sort of goes about doing that but in terms of everything else you know Conan Doyle I could talk to him for hours because he knew Houdini and all these other people and it's just yeah you could just you could talk to him for hours and hours really about his work and people he knew yeah, he was fundamental in helping um, create forensic stuff as well. So, yeah, I was quite yeah. like to talk to him. 
Yeah, because I read when I was younger, I read a book about his life in the library, and there's so much more stuff he did outside of his writing, which was fascinating, especially with like you know miscarriage of justice and everything. And it was just really interesting to read this different side of him. Yeah, I know, and I had no idea either. It's yeah, he'd done some great stuff. So yeah, I imagine yeah. he'd be awesome to talk to. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so what do you like to do when you're not writing? Um, I like to watch um, sort of documentaries. Um, I like, I'm quite into that faking it, where it is a crime where they have the, the profiler and the, um, the listener and the, uh, the watcher. So they analyze people's body language and their language, you know, and they, and they do not presuppose they're to sort of get hints of their deceptions. That's quite handy to sort of think, oh, I'm good to borrow that from my books. Um, but also I've really got into my such a pound life as well. So that's really interesting. So, but yeah, it's watching TV um, or spend time with friends and family. But I do like to go down to London whenever I can. I do like to use like real places in my books. So if I can go and visit them, then that's really good. So I'm only like half an hour from London. So, so I've gone to the Bowstreet Police Museum a few times. I've also been to other museums. Um, but really just get, because I've got friends down there as well, so I can stay with them. So I just, yeah, I just love London. There's so, many, so much stuff I still want to go and, and do in London. I mean, one day, me and my two friends, we just was Victorians. We did a Victorian day in London. So we went um, to um, Baker Street. Obviously, went to had, we took our picture with the policeman out there. And then we went into the museum, the Shirtface Museum. Then we went to Charles Dickens' house. We had afternoon tea in one of the hotels. And then we did that little walk in the evening. It was funny because we were sat on the, the train going into London. This woman's like, excuse me? It's like, yes, like, what are you in? And we were like... What do you mean? It's like, are you, are you not in a production? We're like, no. <laughs> She's like, oh, okay. I was just because you're, you're dressed up like Victoria. It's like, oh no, we just we just love the era. We're just doing a day out in London. <laughs> Nobody actually really said anything apart from her. But then when we're getting our pictures taken outside the um, Philip Crane's museum, also all the tourists were like, oh look, and they were like taking our picture as well. And we're just like, that was a really fun day. That was a really fun day. So. <laughs> yeah I could imagine it's funny because um I went to London for my cousin Tendio I don't live far away over I love London um but we had um penis dealy boppers because, yeah. <laughs> um but we got loads of looks and a few people took our pictures like it was I mean it was quite a while ago now but it can't have been that unusual but no no the, the amount of attraction we uh we got for those was embarrassing yeah <laughs> I mean, me and my friends got any excuse to dress up to be honest. We went to um, the Prohibition Party in Vauxhall, which was all 1920s um, music, casino, and like obviously drinks the teacups and everything. And then we also went to the same company, did a Blitz Party. So that was all 1940s. Every, again, every dressed up in the era and the live music and the, co- and the cocktails were all like, of the era. So that's really interesting. They also did um, the Vintage Festival where they had at South Bank Centre, but every floor in the centre was a different era. So the bit, each bar was a different decade. So you have like the 1950s bar or the rock and the jukebox, and then you could then go up to the 70s, or they also had like the 20s and 30s era. So that was that was a really good day. Oh, that sounds amazing. How do I not know about this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> they've, they've actually now moved the finished special up to Edinburgh now, unfortunately. Yeah. But um, but yeah, when we went there, they had um, it was like a soul um, concert. So we got to see Percy Sledge live, which was really good. And Rose Royce was singing as well. So that was really, really good. Good day. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, are you going to any of the book festivals this year? 
So uh, I was meant to do uh, Birmingham in July, but that had to get postponed till next year. So I'm still doing it next year, but then I'm also doing Books on the Beach in Blackpool on the 20th of August. So that's uh, 70 plus authors there. It's at the Village Hotel in Blackpool. Um, and basically they have sort of three types of tickets. They've got like all day tickets, morning tickets and afternoon tickets. And all the all day tickets have all now sold out. So that's pretty good. So I'm really looking forward to having the first sort of book sign event I've done in a couple of years, obviously, because of quote, you know, pandemics and everything. Um, so I'm really looking forward to doing that. So they've they've my stall and all my antiques and things. And yeah, I'm hoping to get a new dress as well for that. So because I like to wear sort of my bustle dresses when I go to my book signing. So I need to get a new one from my supplier. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to doing that. My sister's going to help me with that as well. So I'm really looking forward to be able to just uh, meet people and get back into the fray, really. Um, my group is sponsoring the Birmingham one actually so I know about that and I'm going as well and I'm hoping to go to Blackpool I've, it's just after my birthday so I'm hoping um, to maybe go to that with my friends so yeah oh, good, yeah good to see you there yeah um, so Laura Rossi um, she came to one of the groups I go to a book club yeah. and um, she's going but she lives in Italy I guess Oh, so um, she's coming, so it would be nice, you know, because there's not going to be many chances to meet her either, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so hoping that, yeah, it just depends on funds, because I'm going to Harrogate and Bloody Scotland and Capital Crime, which are just really expensive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I can imagine, yeah. I'm hoping, I think, I think this year as well, because I went uh, in 20, I think it was 2018, I went to the Jack the Ripper conference in London, which is really interesting, which is basically designed for all the Ripperologists to meet up once a year to discuss their theories of the case. But when we went there, they had a talk by President David Wilson, so that was really good. And um, there was also a talk about Lord Lucan's case. There was some new, new evidence that the lady had found, she basically got the notebooks from the investigating officer. So she was sort of presenting that. And um, also there was a lady who's quite... Um, and make a contact with the BTK killer. So that was quite interesting to have her talk. And I think they're going to do another one this year. Um, so even if you, you know, just not necessarily to chat the Liffa stuff, it's actually good just to go. Very passionate though, very, what, very, very passionate. Yeah, there was a bit of a debate after one talk about one guy presented his um, his findings and what his theory was. And it was a very heated uh, Q&A, shall we say. <laughs> but I got to meet uh, Martin Fider, who's was the co-author of the Official Encyclopedia of Scotland Yard. So that was really good. So I just got to sit next to him and uh, to ask him a few questions. I think you, when I said to him, I've got your book, I think you expect me to say, oh yeah, one of your Jack books. But when I said, oh, the encyclopedia, he's like, oh, oh yeah, I really enjoyed doing that one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's quite good, yeah. So. Yeah, because there's um, an autopsy live in London, which I want to go to as well. That sounds Oh yeah, nice. I heard about that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, someone went to it um, and said it was really interesting, actually, so... Yeah, I kind of want to go to that. I think it's in July in London. So, yeah, I've actually got one of my books. I've got it's a replica of a textbook on how to do an autopsy from the 1870s. <laughs> so that, <laughs> so that's actually really interesting to me. But uh, yeah, so I, that's quite good to um, pull stuff up. Obviously, my I've the surgeon, so he does all the autopsies and everything. So it's really good to actually. He tells you all about how to set up for the autopsy and how to what the tools to use and how to identify different conditions and different signs and different like organs and everything. So that is actually a good book. But I say it's not an original publication, but it's a reproduction because quite a few companies online will do reprints of old books, which is really good. Yeah, um, everyone, if I tell people I do forensics, oh, does that mean you deal with dead bodies? But 
like literally no never there's so um, many different parts of forensics not just dead bodies it's yeah fascinating different areas of forensics and um we were I, we asked repeatedly if we could go see an autopsy and our lecturers like yeah yeah we'll organize it and then it never happened so yeah <laughs> obviously the pandemic happens so you know yeah. it's highly hurtful well yeah. no well yeah I suppose yeah but still it would be nice to so you're yeah. hoping to go to that then are you the autopsy live yeah I do want to um I've booked the week off because it's the weekend before Harrogate anyway, so I've booked the week off work, so I could, and it's on a Saturday, I think, so. Oh, you might as well then have the time off in between, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. I just hope that I'm not going to be one of them people that pukes, really, because of the smell. <laughs> <laughs> it is a definitely a distinct smell. I have smelled sort of rotten flesh before, and it's not, it's a very unusual smell. It sort of changes. You smell it initially, and then it changes. It's such a really... It's hard to describe. It's so you want it you start to warm sweet and then it goes sort of bitter. It's really, it's really the sort of closest I can sort of describe. I always say to people, it's, it's also reminds me of sort of vanilla. If you like vanilla, I'm like, yeah, but it does remind me of that kind of smell. It's such a strange smell. Yeah, we had to um, dissect rats um, mm. as part of our degree. And um, uh, my friend gave me a tissue with Zofloron. So now every time I smell that Zofloron, I'm just going to associate it with that day of dissecting rats because, you know, lots of, yeah, the smell in the lab was pretty uh, special. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yeah, the old operating theatre, they have got like old specimens in jars and things. And obviously they've got the original operating table with sort marks on, which is interesting because it's obviously <laughs> above, the above the church. Um, so they said they used to have to, have to put a layer of sawdust between the floor and the floor of the operating theatre and the scene ch- of the church because blood was literally dripping down through the floorboards onto the pushes below. It was like, oh, nice. <laughs> oh, dear. Because yeah. <laughs> it used to have a door into the hospital, straight from the hospital into the operating theatre. Um, but because basically, they, when they found it, it's reopened in the 1960s and it's basically the same as when they left it. So, you know, if you can get down there. It is a really interesting place to go to. Yeah, yeah, I have to. I mean, I do try. When I, I went to Bloody Scotland last year, and there's an old jail in Stirling, so I had to look around that. Oh yeah, it was so high and so small. The cells were tiny, and they would. Yeah. Um, in the like earlier days, they just had hammocks to sleep on. Oh mm. yeah, I mean, I know they're not supposed to be comfortable, but <laughs> <laughs> if you went to the galleries of justice in Nottingham once, and that was really cool because you start off the tour in the panelled courtroom with the judge sat and the judges, and you have to then go down behind the dock and into the cells, and then you go round um, into the courtyard where they've still got the original scaffolding, and you can see all the graffiti on the walls where people obviously through the years have sort of etched on the walls. That was really interesting. But yeah, the door was very low as I found out because I accidentally hit my head on one of them. <laughs> Because there's this woman who's in a part about this board, she's like, come on, come on, like, well, of course you forget that she's only playing a part. And you're like, oh, quick, run, and then I'm banging my head on the door. And she was like walking on the line, she's like, oh, you know, you're, you're all being me, you know, trying to do the same part. And she's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm lucky I'm quite short, generally, but I don't get my head on anything. <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's, it's a place to hit your head. I'm not the person to hit my head on it, so... <laughs> And this year, when I go out to Bloody Scotland, I go into Edinburgh for a day first because I've never been. I just went through on the train. And there's a museum there where they've got um, the, the stuff to do with Birkin hair. Oh, and apparently yeah. there's a notebook with the skin. They use the skin oh. of one of one or the other. 
to make a notebook and apparently it's in this museum in Edinburgh so yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna go to that I'm gonna see yeah me and my sister keep trying to get up to Edinburgh I've, I haven't been to Edinburgh but I have to make a note of that then I need to go there as well <laughs> yeah if I can remember what the museum's called I'll send you a message after I can't I've, someone told me about it I'm like I need to go there <laughs> so it was a, good, a good website for sort of more news stuff of that is Atlas Obscura because me and my friends found a, a cold war nuclear bunker behind a housing estate in York we went and we actually went for a tour around there and we were like, didn't even know it existed. But <laughs> that was really interesting because we actually found it on the Atlas Obscura. So uh, it has got the more sort of unusual sort of locations on there. So. Oh, yeah, because you can search by like city. So you, you just tell you like, so you've obviously got, you know, it doesn't list, it does list like more like standards or places, but it's sort of, sometimes it is literally, it's like it's got the, um, so the old gate pump is on there so it tells you how to find it and where to find it and everything and sort of stuff that's not necessarily a museum but just like literally location you can go and like I've been there now you know sort of thing but it's really interesting because worldwide as well it shows you places worldwide not just in the UK oh, wow. yeah so oh, that's cool <laughs> yeah yeah and they've got some really good articles as well when they, if you subscribe to their newsletter they've got some really good like articles more unusual things and sort of different variety of subjects so it's really good my day is sorted that's fine yeah. <laughs> oh yeah it's easy to like i've got, I've got 10 new things out in london where it says oh i didn't know it says, oh i'm gonna go there i'm gonna go there okay wait a minute i'm gonna find the time to go to all these places <laughs> yeah that's always the trouble isn't it yeah <laughs> um since the very first day that you decided to start writing what's been your absolute highlight i think Overall, it's probably actually getting into the UK Crime Book Club anthology because I joined the group and obviously sort of interacting with people in the group and sort of seeing the calibre of authors who are in that group and also the calibre of readers that are actually in there as well. You know, it's, it's very much a readers group, which was one of the reasons why I love it. And then I thought, well, I'll submit to the anthology, you know, thinking oh, I probably won't get in, you know. But when I, the day I got in, I was like, oh, my God, I got in the anthology. And I was like, literally sort of just, every, that's, definitely been one of my biggest highlights just actually and then you know I've got people who are really respectful saying they like the story and it's just it's just been it really has just been amazing just to get into there yeah that's that's cool um and their anthologies are great so yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, so I do actually have some um awful copies of the anthology to take the movie to Blackpool the criminal shorts anthology to raise help it's raise more money for the the charity the um red kite academy so if you do come to blackpool then i do we'll have some awful copies there to sell so uh, yeah <laughs> yeah that's, i think i've got um an electronic version but, yeah, yeah yeah i've I'd got both it. versions yeah but I've, as i said to him well you know because i'm going to the black event anyway i'm happy to have someone in the store and just obviously make clear to people that that the proceeds from those will be going all going straight to the charity again so just to help you know sort of boost that fund a little bit more really so yeah and cool. yeah. um, you made lots of author friends since you started writing yeah, yeah i'm gonna say well the, my tg campbell profile on facebook is like 99 that's authors but yeah, it's really good because um, I say like Anne Bainbridge, I'm now friends of her, Ed Turville, I'm friends of him, you know, also like, you know, people like Tony Ford are um, just loads and loads of people. Are, you know, I, can't, I can't name everybody off the top of my head, but it's really just because like, with Anne, sort of, um, we both sort of admire each other's work and we, we both say to each other, like, oh, yeah, I read your book. And I'm like, oh, I can't write anything like that. And it's just like, it's, it's strange how you perceive your own work and how somebody else then perceives it. So it's actually good to have, to have, some, especially somebody who actually writes the same um, 
period as well because she's given some really good sort of research sources from um, Scotland Yard because when her she recently had her most recent book had him start at Scotland Yard so she had sort of a lot of detail of like the interior and how it works and everything and so because hers is set like um decades place for mine so it's good to sort of use it as a starting point and then um, from there I then sort of sort of did more research and then um I actually end up getting the floor pans of the original Scotland Yard building from 1880 so that was pretty cool but um but yeah so just being able to have sort of just stay a bit grounded and actually have people that you can actually go to and say oh you know like recently I was sort of I did a post saying about you know what was a blog tour like I think you saw that one yeah so it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's literally it's just this mountain of like a font of information that it's just people are so happy and willing so supportive to help you and sort of give, give you give you the benefit of their knowledge which is it's really amazing so it's you know the author community especially like in the UK book club and in your group it's really supportive so you know the more that you can sort of connect with other authors and you know the better really because everybody's you know we all want to do the same thing we want to tell good stories and we want to you know give you know readers happiness and you know give them joy and everything so I think you know definitely if you can network with more authors then it's definitely the thing to do and do you get a lot of feedback from your readers um yeah I do yeah because I've got a uh, sort of newsletter um as obviously I've got um, beat readers who I get quite a bit of feedback from but yeah people um so when uh, I think it's like Caroline Marston who's one of the admins of the Ukraine book club she um discovered my books through this anthology and so she so I post a couple of reviews in that book and I've had sort of people comment on there that they really enjoyed the books and um I think generally my books um because there's quite a bit of description I think some people have love description I don't like description um but I think also it's it's quite niche as well so I think people have really really loved them or it's sometimes can be like they're not quite sure about them or you know um but generally it has been really positive so and so, yeah, that's how, you know, people are probably, well, it's when I revealed the, um, on our podcast, I did the title reveal of Max or Merge, I had two readers on the podcast. So when I revealed the title, I was like, oh, oh, that mean, we can't get off Mr. Maxwell, not Mr. Maxwell. It's just like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's interesting sort of talking to people. I do like to talk to people about sort of um, when they've read the books, because it gives you, especially when you do the, like, construct the mystery, it's good to sort of see when did they figure it out? Because I like my readers better to figure it out before the end. Oh, hello. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, bless. <laughs> it's my show now. Get out yeah. of the way. Hello, <laughs> gorgeous. Oh. But yeah, and also just talk to them about the cat, which character they prefer. And again, it sort of seems to be the biggest thing at the moment is everybody really likes the character Conway, which again, was really interesting how certain characters can just click with people and just become you know the most memorable character so yeah I do quite like to talk to people readers about the stories and everything <laughs> um, yeah I must admit that you came to my attention through Caroline um yeah. you know and because she absolutely raved about your book then I think I saw you being interviewed as well so I got it anyway yeah. but then Caroline raved about it so I'm like okay I'm gonna need to bump this up my TBR it hasn't quite got there yet, but it's close. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> you imagine you've got a lot of books to read. Oh, my God. I, I don't even count them. It's just insane. Because I do blog tours as well. Yeah, yeah, I see so, that, yeah. It's just crazy. Just insane amount. But um, I read quite fast, thankfully. So I can I say you're a speed things. reader. Yeah, I learned that skill at university. <laughs> I think I've read, I'll go to shop in like four days. I've read like 100 pages a day. Because like, you know, like that. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, she's a baby. You cute um, So what are you working on at the moment? And do you know what's coming next for you? Um, so I'm working on the sixth um, Star to Mystery in the series. Um, just sort of recently started that. Um, I also um, release in Serialized form the short stories from the case book across the year. So at the moment we're um, just, I think it's on part four of the case of the Scream and the Smog, which was actually really good because I had quite a lot of help from the historian at the Peabody Trust because the story is actually set around in and around one of their estates. So she gave me quite a lot of contemporary like photographs and descriptions and stuff about the estate itself. So, I, you know, so that was really good to be able to sort of draw upon her knowledge. Um, so at the moment, so that so I'll carry on. I'll do a new new story for that. So I tend to do three stories in the newsletter throughout the year, and then I do two brand new ones for the collection that comes out in Christmas. So that's sort of those two sort of the writing projects. I'm also um, currently working on the next podcast episode because we have an official podcast. And also I said the audio book for the case of Kira's client. So I've got Phil Vogue, who is, he's doing the dialogue for the male characters. I've got Jaden Brandniff, who's doing the dialogue just Dr. Weeks, because he's Canadian. And I've got Sabrina Paul, who played Miss Trent in the book trailer for the case of Kira's client. She's doing all the dialogue for the female characters. And then I'll be then doing the narration in between. Because even though it's not necessarily the way that you'd normally do an audiobook, because there's so many characters, especially in the meeting room scenes, I felt that you needed to have that differentiation between the voices to be able to follow what's going on. So it should sound really, really good. I mean, you know, they're just, they're just amazing. Like, if, you know, Phil's just how he can change his voice is just, you know, it's just incredible. So we're really enjoying that at the moment. So just doing that. And also just newsletter, oh, blog, website, all that sort of usual stuff, really. So there's always something that's got to be done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, well, I can't think of any more questions for you, unless you think there's anything that I haven't asked you that you want to tell us. Um, no, just sort of, if people want to sort of find a bit more about me, they can go to my website, which is bowstreetsociety.com. It's all the information about the books, newsletter, podcast, blog is all on there. Um, I have interviewed a few sort of curators for the blog. So, so recently I've um, interviewed, say, um, Christine from People Who Trust. Also, there's people I've interviewed from the Bowstreet Police Museum, Metropolitan Police. Historic collection. I've also interviewed um, one of my podcasts I interviewed recently. Last episode, I re- interviewed a retired Metropolitan Police officer who was part of the CID at Bow Street. So that was really interesting. Um, so if people here wanted to find out a bit more about me and my books and things, there's so on there. I'm also available on Amazon in all formats, well, all formats, I like paperback and um, Kindle at the moment um, for the digital search Bow Street Society, and that will all come up. Happy so Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's been great. <laughs>